0: Bokutov, good morning. Shalom and Booker Tov everyone. Welcome to our Aliyah day. It is great to be with you. It is a bright, sunny, beautiful day here in Fort Worth, Texas. It is the third Aliyah of the Parashat Tetzave, and uh, life is good. So I'm glad that you're with me this morning. Uh, be sure and share this with all of your friends, all of your neighbors, all of your coworkers. Send it out on Facebook, send it out on Twitter, send it out on Carrier Pigeon, all the other uh, ways in which we are able to uh, share the light of Torah, the light of truth. Baruch Hashem. Hallelujah. I hope you're having a great day. And uh, if you're not having a great day yet, it's going to become a great day. Don't worry about it. All right, this is Parashat Tetzaveh, the third Aliyah. But as we begin today, I would like very much, very mucho to our Sephardic uh, Jewish friends, to share with you some s- insights from the Midrash Rabbah. We, on this program, we don't always get a chance to share from the Midrash Rabbah. Well, we do, I guess, but not in such glorious detail. So the Midrash Rabbah Tetzave. And just some, just some really great insights I wanted to share with you um, as they relate to the Torah portion here. So it says in Midrash Rabatzave thirty 36.3, it says, um, It says, there are those who engage in Torah study, they give forth light everywhere. This may be illustrated by means of a parable. It may be compared to someone who is standing in the dark with a lamp in his hand. And when he began to walk, he saw a stone and did not stumble over it. He saw a cesspit, like a cesspool, you know, and did not fall into it. Why? Because there was a lamp in his hand. So what prevented us from stumbling? What prevented us from falling into the pit? The lamp, the Torah lamp that we have. It Because the Torah is a light. That's what it means. Okay, so it says here, Uh, And so it is stated, your lamp, your word rather, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path, Psalm 119, 105. The, uh, another way of saying Torah is word of God. So word of God and Torah of God are synonymous. If you're watching this this morning, there's most likely all of you Zadikim who are watching already know that, but there could be somebody who the spirit of Ruach HaKodesh has brought to us this morning, it doesn't realize that the law of Moses, the Mosaic law, is also the word of God. So it says here, and similarly it is stated, I instruct you in the way of wisdom. Again, wisdom is another euphemism for the Torah of God, the law of God. So we talk about, somebody might say, for instance, I don't know, why do you want to be under the law? And my response to that would be, well, do you want to be under the word? Do you want to be under wisdom? Because if you're, quote, under the law, then it means that you're under the word of God, that you're under the wisdom of God. It would also mean that you're under the will of God. In my opinion, those are good things. So it says, and when you run, you will not stumble. What? When you run, you will not stumble. Why? Because you have the word of God, the will of God, the wisdom of God, the Torah of God. So now you can become an athlete. It says, hold fast to discipline, do not let go. That's from Proverbs 4.12. Hold fast to discipline and do not let go. Right. So it says here, uh, continuing, and similarly, similarly it is stated, a man's soul is the lamp of Adonai. This is also from Proverbs 20, verse 27. It says... Amar HaKadosh Baruch and the Holy One, blessed as he says the man, let my lamp be in your hand, and your lamp will be in my hand. As the footnote says here, if you keep my lamp, that is, if you fulfill my Torah, then I will keep your lamp, that is, I will preserve your soul. I will preserve your soul. That's what the Midrash Rabbah is saying. It says, and what is meant by the lamp of the Holy One, blessed be he? What is the lamp of God? This is the Torah as it is stated, for a commandment is a lamp and the Torah is a light. What is the meaning of for a commandment is a lamp? In what sense is the Torah commandment like a lamp? Now keep in mind, why are we having this discussion in Midrash Rabbah? Because the Parashat Tetzavi begins by talking about the lamp of God, the menorah of uh, the temple. That's why this whole discussion is, is taking place. But I digress. It says here, however, the explanation for this is that whoever fulfills a Torah commandment is, is it is as if he kindles a lamp before the Holy One, blessed be He. So when we perform a mitzvah, we are actually lighting a lamp before God. We are lighting the menorah. How do we? You, you realize we can still, to this very day, tend to the menorah. In the spiritual realm, I want you to keep in mind. By the way, this occurred to me as I was looking at the Torah portion for today. We must remember that everything that was in the tabernacle, including the garments of the priests, that all of those things are copies of the original that are in Shemayim, which should tell us something. Tells us a lot of things, but one of the things it tells us, just going back to something so simple like head coverings, for instance. All the priests wore head coverings, right? What does that mean? That means that there's somebody, a bunch of somebodies in Shemayim all wearing head coverings. Which tells us what? Head coverings are a good thing. All right. So it says here, uh, uh, Oh yes, you kindle a lamp before God, and thereby he gives life to his soul, which is also called a lamp. As it is stated, a man's soul is the lamp of Adonai. So here's the deal. When we perform a mitzvah, we're lighting a lamp before Hashem, and at the same time, we're lighting our lamp. Why? Because our soul is the lamp of God. So think about what the scripture is saying. If our soul is the lamp of God, and the lamp of God is the Torah, then what? Torah is our soul. Torah is our soul. Which is why when we perform the Torah, we feel so amazing. Why? When we're filled with the, the Ruach HaKodesh, we're filled with Torah. This is why the, the Midrash Shabbat relates in another place that the uh, the Ruach HaKodesh and the Torah are one and the same. So one says, I'm operating by the Spirit. Oh, are you? Do you follow the Torah? No, no I don't. The Spirit doesn't lead me that way. That's the wrong Spirit. <laughs> it's the wrong Spirit. It's like the movie uh, Planes, strange and Bills. You're going the wrong way. Because uh, it's the wrong spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Torah. So if you're going to be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, and you're not following the mitzvahs, something's wrong. So to live by the spirit is to live by the Torah. Think about it. It makes sense, right? The Word of God is God. The Word of God emanates from God, which means the Word of God is the spirit of God. It's really not complicated. But we live in a uh, Greco-mind world that wants to complicate things. All right, I want to continue on here. So this is the the last part of the Midrash Shabbat. we'll share for today, which is uh, just beautiful. It is beautiful. It says, and what is the meaning of, and the Torah is light. The Torah is light. In what way is the Torah a light? It says, however, the explanation of this expression is that many times a man desires in his heart to perform a mitzvah by giving charity. Many times he wants to give charity, it says here. I was just glancing down at the footnote. Uh, All right, moving on. And it says here, that, uh, okay, it says the word mitzvah commandment is often used in the Midrash Yerushalayim to refer to the giving of charity. That's what I was trying to find. Okay. It says, and the evil inclination that is inside him says, why do you, why should you perform this mitzvah and thereby diminish your possessions? You know, I was explaining to a class yesterday. I taught a class, manasha um, um, and I did, downtown. And I was teaching in the class the difference between the Greek understanding of the word sacrifice and the Jewish understanding of the word sacrifice. So in, in the Greek mind, in the, in the, the Greek, Western, Roman, Roman mind, whenever we give a sacrifice, it's because we're, we're subtracting something from our life. We are, you're, you're pulling it out of our cold grip, uh, something that we really don't want to give up, but we're going to give it up. And we're going to give it up with tears. And we're, the reason we're giving up is because we're trying to appease this angry God, like casting the virgin into the volcano. It's such a sad thing, but we've got to make God happy. And so here we are. You know, that's, that's the idea of sacrifice. But in fact, the word carbon means to, which is the word for sacrifice in Yvrael, in means to draw close to God. So it's not really a subtraction. It's a multiplication. It's something that we're doing so that we draw close to God. And as I said yesterday, talking about the uh, Ketoret, I think it was yesterday, but anyway. The Ketoret is the next level where we bind with God. And so here the Yetzir, uh, Yetzir Hara says, why do you want to give charity? You give charity, you're going to take something, you're going to diminish yourself. And so it, the Midrash says, rather than giving money to others, give it to your children. And the good inclination says to him, Go ahead and give money for the mitzvah of charity. See what is written. For a commandment is a lamp and the Torah is a light. Just as with a lamp when it is burning, even if a million wax candles and tallow torches were kindled from it, its light is still in its original state. It does not become diminished thereby. So the analogy in the Midrash Shippah is, listen, if you have a candle and it's burning, you can take a, mil- a million candles a- and light them from that candle or a million torches and light it from that candle and that candle's flame does not diminish. You can't say, well, listen, I, can- I kindled a hundred candles from that candle and look, it's only burning half the flame it was as, as it started. No, it continues to burn. Why? Because God re- replenishes the light. As it says here, so to anyone who gives money for the mitzvah of charity does not diminish his possessions in doing so. This is why it is stated, for a commandment is a lamp and the Torah is a light. So, just thought that was good. As we're talking, uh, people are thinking about being generous, giving, and so on. Just know, we, there's, it's commonly be said, has been said, rather, you cannot outgive God. That's true, because... If we're giving for charity, we cannot be diminished. In the same way, if we're serving God in His mitzvahs and His commandments, then we likewise cannot be diminished. That's why the whole idea of the Torah being a burden is uh, only true if you have the wrong spirit. Because otherwise, you can serve God all of your life and you will not be diminished. This has been the entire Uh, problem with uh, Christianity. You know, um, what's his name? Martin Luther. Martin Luther started out, the the big reformer, he started out and he was at first very kind-hearted towards Jewish people because he was operating under the false assumption that Jews looked at the law of God as some kind of burden, some type of restriction, and that we were just longing for the opportunity to be free of it uh, the only problem is we just didn't know. We didn't have any other way. Like this was the only way that we could get saved. And as soon as somebody showed us an easier payment plan, that we would uh, we would jettison this uh, this payment plan and take up that payment plan, and everything would be great. And that he was operating on that false assumption. And so he started preaching to the uh, Jewish people, uh, "Hey, you should just be justified by faith. It's an, it's a one one. Uh, it's 1995. Only one time." And uh, that's fine. You get out of a hell-free card, no problem. You can jettison the commandments. They're, they're a burden anyway. Can't believe you're even doing it. But here you go. And the Jewish people would say, what are you talking about? We love the mitzvahs. It's uh, awesome. The more commandments we do, the more God blesses, and the more we want to do. And in fact, uh, we light many, many candles off of this light, and it's uh, wonderful. What, there, we have nothing, we have no, uh, um, you know, there's not an issue. And by the way, we have faith. And by the way, we have grace. And by the way, we have mercy. And by the way, we understand that it's not our mitzvah-keeping that that, uh, quote-unquote saves us. And We we say that every Rosh Hashanah, every Yom Kippur. What did Martin Luther do? Well, he was so filled with love and uh, so filled with grace of God and so filled with mercy that he wrote a paper saying that all the Jewish synagogues should be burned down and Jews should be expelled, mistreated, abused, and tortured. And eventually Adolf Hitler used his words to have the Holocaust. All because there is an idea that the Torah is a burden. It's not. Third Aliyah of the day, chapter 28, verse 31 from, on the Art School Humash page 471. You shall make the robe of the ephod entirely of turquoise, turquoise wool. That's the chelet. That's the chelet wool. Its head opening shall be folded over within it, its opening shall have a border all around of weaver's work. It shall be for it like the opening of a coat of mail. That's talking about chain mail, like armor. It may not, it may not be torn. And you shall make on its hems pomegranates of turquoise, purple, and scarlet wool. And on its hem all around, and gold bells between them all around, a gold bell and a pomegranate, a gold bell and a pomegranate on the hem of the robe all around. It must be on Aaron in order to minister. Its sound shall be heard when he enters the sanctuary, before Adonai when he leaves, so that he not die. It's worth noting that the sages talk about the fact that King David had a robe of the ephod as well. It, uh, some say it was not turquoise necessarily, but it was made in the same way. It was a, a very valuable uh, cloak that he wore as uh, symbolic of his office. And we notice from the Gospels that Yeshua had such a tunic that, uh, that was made woven in one piece without any seams. The e- robe of the ephod was also woven in one piece without any seams. And uh, we know that the soldiers gambled for the clothing of the Messiah uh, at the crucifixion they didn't want to tear that, clo- that cloak or that tunic because it was so nice and it was all woven like i just said and so they they gambled for it we're going to learn uh possibly why that was first of all we also i also want to mention that we notice in the uh in the kangaroo court trial the completely illegal kangaroo court trial uh that that was held for the Mashiach, that was led by the Sadducees and Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, who was a Roman appointee, he was a puppet of the Roman state, whenever they asked Hashem to tell them whether or not he was the Mashiach, and, and they charged him under oath to speak, because up in that time he was not saying anything, and he spoke up and affirmed what they had said, it says that Caiaphas tore his garments. Well he would have been a, a, adorned in the garments of the high priest because he was uh, there in the office uh in the court and how do how do you tear your garment you reach up to the neck and you you pull and you tear it the problem is that was forbidden so it says in the Talmud in uh Yoma 72 It says, the neck opening of the me'il, that is the robe, the kohen gadol, was woven to be doubly thick to prevent it from tearing. Our pasu presents a prohibition. Therefore, a person who tears the me'il has violated a mitzvah and is liable to the penalty of lashes. We know that our pasu is not simply telling us to make the neck hole thick so that it will not tear, because the pasuk does not say to make a hem for it so that it will not tear, but rather it says it may not be torn, which indicates a prohibition. That's again from Yoma 72. The uh, the robe, once the robe is torn, it's also no longer considered a garment. And the high priest was not allowed to uh, minister without it uh, on pain of death. So the fact that Caiaphas... Tore his garment was rather problematic, and uh, was probably uh, spiritually indicative of the uh, nature the 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 I, I should say the uh, um, the the nature of his office, which was not legitimate. Let's put it that way. Now, there's also something interesting about the robe because the robe, according to Judaism has an element of atonement associated with it. So what do we know about the Mashiach? Let's go back to the fact that Mashiach is wearing an ephod similar. We know that Mashiach is fulfilling a spiritual role of priest after the order of Melchizedek. This comes from the original Melchizedek, who is Shem, who uh, we see the transfer of Shem's priestly office and his kingship to Avraham. So anyway, we have Mashiach who's operating this role spiritually. He's wearing an ephod like David. It is similar to the ephod of uh, the high priest. And so what can, we, what can we deduce from the reason why the soldiers did, want, n- did not want to tear the garment? They wanted to gamble for it. Why? Because spiritually speaking, that garment cannot be torn. Moreover, Mashiach is taken to this uh, kangaroo court, this joke of a court. And everything that's being said to him is 100% Lashon hara. As I've said before, by the way, how do we know for sure, for sure, for sure that Messiah Yeshua never, ever said and never came out of his mouth, not one time, that he made, quote, all foods clean? He did away with kosher laws. How do we know that's not true? Because nobody brought it up at at the trial the only false reports were brought up had somebody stood forward and said oh by the way he made all food's clean that would not have been a false report according to some but he didn't say it but anyway so it's nothing but Lashon hara that's being spoken so it says here the uh the garments worn by the kohen when they performed the service of the base ha- hamikdash Help bring atonement for specific sins. The ma'il, the robe of the kohen gadol, had a row of gold bells and fabric pomegranates attached to its hem, and the bells tinkled when the kohen gadol walked. There is no offering to atone for the sin of lashon hara, that is, slanderous or derogatory speech. So that the Torah gave us the bells of the Me'il as an atonement, let the sound of the ringing of the bells come and atone for the sound of Lashon Hara. Yoma 7-3. So we see here that the cloak, the tunic, the robe of the ephod had the specific mission of atoning for the sin of Lashon Hara. And we have a situation in which Messiah Yeshua, his tunic is taken and they they don't want to tear it up. They want to gamble for it. And at the same time that they're doing this, basically Yeshua is saying, forgive them, God, for they know not what they're doing. He's making atonement, making atonement for Lashon Hara. Now, as far as the bells and pomegranates go. There is much to be written about that. There's there's uh, much thought about that. Uh, the reason that was so was, one of the reasons was that when the high priest would walk into the uh, um, place to minister, he was supposed to be by himself. There was supposed to be nobody there. That includes the angels. So when he makes a sound as he's walking up, that is a sound telling the angels that they need to dismiss themselves because he's about to have a private audience with a shim. It's also was said that those uh, bells and so on announced his arrival to Hashem so that it would not be a scenario, and it actually quotes from the book of Esther, there would not be a scenario such as was with Ahasuerus that the uh, the queen would come in unannounced, but rather they would come in announced. I also like what the KL Tumash says about uh, the bells and pomegranates, that the pomegranates refer to the Jew that is full of mitzvahs, and the bell refers to the Jew who is uh, lacking mitzvahs, a lacking relationship, who's who's crying out, who's making a sound. The Kehol Tumash tells a story about the Baal Shem Tov, and he was asked by uh, some some uh, people, why is it that your Hasidim, when they pray, that they, they pray in a loud voice, they cry out? Apparently, uh, it was a custom of Hasidim to do that back in those days. Whereas normally when people pray, they pray in a soft voice. And the Baal Shem Tov used the example, said, have you ever seen somebody drowning? Are they being quiet about it? Or are they not splashing and calling out for help? So some there are Jews who feel detached from God. They feel that uh, they need to be closer to God. They feel like they, they don't have any mitzvahs. And so they crawl, they call out to God, help me, help me, help me. And they splash the water. And I like that, I like that because the high priest is wearing a robe and his mission, as we're about to read here in a second, the high priest is like, like the Messiah. We actually learn about the role of the Messiah from the high priest. And one of the high priest's role is to remember that he's representing the uh, Zadik Jew and he's representing the Jew who has no mitzvahs. He's elevating both in the presence of Hashem. I also like to say this is just from Rom Bell, this is just for me that um, the bells, if the pomegranates represent the Torah, which ultimately represents hesed and mercy, compassion, they're soft, they're made out of fabric. They're, uh, you know, nice little crocheted things. If you did not have the mitzvahs, if you did not have the the love, the compassion, the mercy there by the pomegranates, what you would have is the bells that would just clank up against each other, and instead of making a nice little beautiful ringing sound, they would just be like clanging brass, clanging cymbals. This is what the Apostle Shaul was alluding to, I think, when he was talking about this. If you don't have love, then you just have a clanging brass, clanging cymbals. So in order for our bells, in order for our mitzvahs to sound pretty, to sound good, to be good, we have to have the pomegranates in between them. But going back to the Kohen, I just like what Rabbi Monk says when it talks about, so that Aaron shall bring forgiveness for a sin regarding the sacred offering. It's talking about the role of the Kohen in general. This relating back to what I just said about the ephod. It said, in general, the Kohen Gadol is considered the righteous one who protects his generation. Baba Basra 15a. That's from the Talmud. It says uh, that ultimately all Jews are responsible for, for each other, but the liability increases according to, degree, to the degree of personal power culminating with the Kohen Gadol, who's supposed to be the Zadok of all Zadikim. In the nation, which in the first century when the Messiah was here, that was a joke. In the first century, the Kohen Gadol was the worst. The Kohen Gadol in the first century was a sellout. It was a Roman puppet. It was a disgrace. This is why you had the Essenes. They lived out in the desert. Why? Because they didn't want to be around the temple. Why? Because they felt like the entire temple, which was primarily the Sadducees, was entirely corrupt. And so you had a clown walking around wearing the uh, high priest garments who was nothing more than a Roman appointee. But yet he was supposed to be the great Zadok who would protect the people. But there was no protection. So enter Mashiach. So it says here, talk about the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol, it is he who shall bear the iniquity of the children of Israel. What was the Kohen Gadol's role? To bear the iniquity. So much for a person shall die for their own sins. No Jew, no, no one believes that, that. That's just anti-missionary foolishness. No Jew believes that. Listen, you cannot attend a Yom Kippur service and believe that a man dies for his own sins. You can't do it. Why? Because every time we go to Yom Kippur, we say, God, 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 please remember, remember Isaac. Don't remember me. So it says here, it is he who shall bear the iniquity of the children of Israel, even for the minor errors which occur in the offering of the sacrifices and the holy gifts. The Kohen Gadol was responsible for everything to include even a seemingly minor mess up of uh of the offerings themselves. He is responsible for the sins of the nation, but he is also, listen to this. He's also considered the Malach Hashem Zavot. the angel of the of Adonai of hosts, Malachi 2:7. Now who is the who is who is uh the uh the actual Malach Adonai Zavot? Who is the angel of the Lord? Ultimately, memtet. So it says, the angel, the malach, Zavot, the angel of Hashem from Malachi 2.7 is the one who brings forgiveness to all of its members. Which means, if we're looking at this at face value, it means that the Kohen Gadol is an is a, is a image of the Messiah it's telling us the role of the Messiah, which will be the one to bear iniquity for the people of Israel. Telling us that the Cohen the, the, the is actually the angel of Hashem, which is the Messiah. Which is ultimately telling us that that angel is the one who brings forgiveness, which we learned in last week's Torah portion. So we have this spiritual picture here. Now, we don't have time to get this to today, but we'll have to get to it tomorrow about the headpiece. But let me go ahead and read about the headpiece because the headpiece is what brings favor and grace to the people of Israel. It says in verse 36, You shall make a headpiece of pure gold, and you shall engrave upon it, engraved like a signet ring, holy to Hashem. And you shall place it on the cord of tachelit wool, and it shall be on the turban opposite the front of the turban, shall it be. Did you just pick? Did you just hear that? We're supposed to put holy to Hashem on a turban. I guess God likes head coverings. It says, It shall be on Aaron's forehead so that Aaron shall bring forgiveness for a sin regarding the sacred offerings that the children of Israel consecrate for uh, any gifts of their sacred offerings. It should be for his forehead always to bring them favor before Hashem. You... Shall make a linen tunic of box like knit. You shall make a linen turban, and you shall make a sash for the embroider's work. For the sons of Aaron, you shall make tunics, and make them sashes, and make them headdresses, or headdresses again, for glory and splendor. With them shall you dress Aaron and his brothers and his sons with him, and you shall anoint them, and inaugurate them, and sanctify them, and they shall minister to me. You shall make them linen breeches to cover the flesh of their nakedness. From the hips to the thighs, you shall make them. They shall be on Aaron and his sons when they enter the tent of meeting or when they approach the altar to serve at holiness. And they should not bear a sin and die. It is an eternal, the word eternal means forever, an eternal decree for him and for his offspring forever. Now, one final thing as we conclude, where it talks about the headpiece holy to Hashem. I just like to point this out, what Rabbi Monk says. It says, Kadosh Leronai. The Kohen Gadol, writes Rabbi Bakiah, bore on his breast the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, while upon his forehead the words Kadosh Laronai, holy to Aronai. They appeared on his forehead, which is to these tribes their eternal mission. And above that majestic figure, imbued with the highest of holiness, the Shekinah hovered. hovered. <clears throat> and the Shekinah is the embodiment, the embodiment. The Shekinah, Rabbi Monk says, is the embodiment of Hashem's province, ready to bestow its blessings upon His nation. It's a reminder of our mission. Our mission is not just to be on the chest of the high priest. Our mission is not, our mission, listen to this, our mission is not just to receive favor. It's not just to receive forgiveness. It's not just to be prayed for by the Mashiach. Our mission is to be holy unto Hashem. So, as we're walking out, we must understand that our mission today and every day is to light a lamp for Hashem. And in so doing, we shine the light to the world and we shine the light to ourselves. End of our Aliyah today. May you have a beautiful, wonderful, and amazing day. And uh, we will see everybody here tomorrow with bells on. Shalom, shalom.